Please pray with me for a moment. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your presence in our midst through your Holy Spirit, who was sent to us to lead us into all truth and to glorify Jesus as we just read. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to do exactly that, to shine light on Jesus, to exalt him in, in our place here, and also to exalt him in our hearts and to transform us into his likeness. And may you use the word and also the sermon I get to preach now to accomplish that. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be back here. I feel like every six months or so I get to come back, and I'm really excited about that. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Lenny Konchewitz. I'm originally from Germany. My wife, Callie, is from Florida, and uh, we have two sons. Eli, he's six years old, and Micah, who is two. They are the so-called sons of thunder. And... Um, <laughs> I hope they're keeping everyone healthy and uninjured at Kids Church over there right now. <laughs> we moved here to plant a church in the World Golf Village area out of Grace Anglican Church. So many of you are actually invested both financially and spiritually and morally and in many different ways, just encouraging us and helping us do what we do in, uh, in the St. John's County area. And so I want to thank you so much for being part of that, and I'm also really excited that I think at least five of our families from, uh, our, from our church are here today this morning worshiping with us, so please be friendly to them, and um, <laughs> we're, we're really excited to be together here this morning. Um, you are going through the series about the book of Exodus, and if you read the passage this morning, you may have scratched your head and wondered, what? What's this all about? I don't know if you could remember anything from what was written there. But it is an amazing text, and I'm so glad that I have about 90 minutes now to explain to you <laughs> what um, all of this means. No, I have about 20 minutes left, so I'll do my best. What I'm going to do is I will give you an overall picture of the purpose of the tabernacle. What is the tabernacle? It's basically the tent of meeting. We will look at the main purpose, and then we will zoom in, open the door to the tabernacle, and look at two specific pieces of furniture that God wanted in there. I believe that the overall purpose of the tabernacle really is, like the name dwelling place says, it's meant to be a place where God's presence dwelt in the midst of sinful and broken people. Now, if I asked you, what does your house look like in your living room? If you gave me a tour of your living room at home, I'm sure that there would be things on the wall that would somehow express who you are as a person, maybe as a family, maybe there are pictures on the wall of parents, of loved relatives, maybe even of unloved relatives, right? They would all maybe hopefully find their place. You would see paintings that you like. You, you express your heart and your personality by the way you decorate your home, right? And you would probably not go into somebody else's home and say, you know what, I don't like the couch where it is. I don't like that painting. Let me just take that off and put something else there. We would find that really rude because we are, we are in a way expressing ourselves through the way we live. If you walked into our living room, you would see a big world map hanging on the wall because my wife and I, we love the nations and we have lived in different nations and we, we like to be reminded of, of the whole world. If you walked into my garage, you would see a big Germany flag there. 
because my secret mission is to make America German again. <laughs> I'm not kidding. This is all. This is all part of God's plan for the end times, I believe.、Um, so, <laughs> if you walked into my son's room, you would see posters of Lego police cops and of airplanes and all of that. Why? Because he loves this kind of stuff. You're getting the point. In the same way, God has very specific ideas what He wants His living room to look like, what He wants His house to look like. So He gave Moses very specific instructions. As to what wood to use, what color to use, where to place what, what furniture to build, he had a very perfect idea of everything, and he did not allow Moses or Israel to have any say in it. They did not say,、um, "Sorry, Yahweh, could we suggest you maybe do this or that?" No, none of that, because God wanted to to create a place where he would feel home and where people could learn about him and his character and his nature. That's why God was so specific. In fact, we read in verse eight and in verse nine, he says, "Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of all its furniture. So you shall make it." Now they picked up this tent and all the furniture and traveled around with it in the desert. It was not a very pretty place. That's why they had to use a certain type of wood. That was more water-resistant and weather-resistant, and and so there was practical elements to the design as well. But really, the main purpose of the tabernacle was to be a dwelling place for God among sinful people, while at the same time being a prophetic picture of the future full manifestation of God here on earth through Jesus Christ. It has always been God's desire to come back into our midst and to live with us. Since the fall of man, there has been a separation between God and man because God is perfectly holy, and we are sinful. And holiness and sinfulness cannot coexist in the same time. It's like water and oil; they don't they don't mix. Or light and darkness; you either have the one or you have the other. But God was not pleased with that separation. And so he has looked for a way back into the midst of sinful people, and the tabernacle was one of those tools that he used. And then later, it was the temple. And then later, it found its fullest expression in, this, in his son Jesus Christ. We read in the Gospel of John, chapter one, verse fourteen. It says, "The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us." And the word that the apostle John uses here for "made his dwelling" is actually the word "tabernacle." In other words, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us, so that we could see God in His fullest form. Because God wanted to be among people, among sinful people, and redeem them back into into restored relationship with Himself. And I believe that is why. God was so specific in His instructions, telling them exactly how to do it, because they did not know back then that all of this was prophetic imagery for Jesus, who would come a few thousand years later. They didn't know that when they were building that. We can now look back and we can study the tabernacle and we can see how Jesus is portrayed in all of these details. Even to the point of geographic arrangements of furniture, it's fascinating. I don't know if you noticed, but God told Moses, "Listen, I want the golden lampstand, which was one piece of furniture in the tabernacle. I want that on the south side, 
on the inside. I want the table on the north side. And to the west, I want a curtain with angels on it. And behind the curtain, I want to be the holy of holies where my actual presence dwells. And if you read Genesis chapter 3 and 4, it is where, uh, Genesis 3 actually, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, they were kicked out of Eden and they moved eastward. So in biblical language, going east is a picture for going away from the presence of the Lord. So the way God had the tabernacle arranged was that his presence was on the west side and you had in the south the lampstand, in the north the table, and then you open the door to the east, and he's calling and pulling people back from the east into his presence, calling him west, calling them west into his very presence again. That's why there are these geographical little north and south, east and west, 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 west indicators. It is fascinating how, how God did that. And there's one strong desire that we can see here, is that God wants to be among his people, and he wants to draw them back into his presence. Now, we don't have time, unfortunately, to go into all the details of the tabernacle and all the pieces of furniture and how they, in their own way, point to Jesus already. But I decided to take two pieces of furniture today that I want to look at, um, at a little bit more closely. I actually brought a picture along here that maybe we can um, pull up on the screen. There it is. This is the holy place, and behind that curtain is the holy of holies. In the holy place were three pieces of furniture. In the center, you see the altar of incense, which represents our prayers that are being prayed. And then on the left, which is the south side, you see the golden lampstand, and on the right, you see the table. And the reason why I want to zoom in on those two pieces of furniture is because that table represents the reason why we decided to call our church plant the Table Church in St. John's County. Now, I want to talk about the golden lampstand first, though. The golden lampstand was of pure gold, and it had seven branches, as you can see, and it was filled with the oil. All the branches were fed by the same source of oil. They were all interconnected. And the flames were burning, providing light to the sanctuary of the Lord. Now, what's interesting to, to understand is that there were no windows in God's living room. Now, I assume most of us have windows in our living rooms, right? Because we want to see the light from the outside. God purposefully said, no, I don't want the light from the outside to come in and shed light on my heavenly realities. I only want the light that comes from the golden lampstand, that comes from the oil of the Holy Spirit. I want that to be the only light in my living room. And he had the walls, if you can see that, the walls, they were wooden, but they were covered with layers of gold. So when you lit the candle here, when you, when you, when you lit the, the menorah, the golden lampstand, those beautiful gold walls would reflect the light and probably create a very wonderful, unique atmosphere. And what God is saying here through this design, many theologians agree with that, is that he's basically saying, I want to invite my people into a place where they can see reality, where they can see what I'm doing through the light of my presence, through the light of my spirit, and not through the light that comes in from the outside world. 
There is a place in our walk with the Lord where we need the Lord to be our light. In fact, the psalm that we were reading this morning, I don't know if you noticed it or paid attention to Psalm 27, the very first verse, it says, The Lord is my light. The Lord is my light. And these seven branches are also deeply meaningful. Now, we, again, we don't have time to go into all the different layers of meaning. But one meaning that these seven branches have is that they represent the Holy Spirit. And more specifically, they represent the sevenfold Spirit of God. I don't know if you've ever heard about the sevenfold Spirit of God. Maybe you're wondering what? I thought we worship a trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Where does the seven come from now? Well, I don't want to theologically confuse anyone, but the sevenfold Spirit of God is an expression in the Bible that is used in a few books as an illustration of the Holy Spirit because there's a sevenfold expression the Holy Spirit has. And we can read about what they are in the prophet Isaiah. I want to read this to you, Isaiah 11, verse 2. The prophet Isaiah prophesies about the future coming of the Messiah, and he says that the Messiah will be anointed with the sevenfold Spirit of God, which he defines here. He says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel, of might, and the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. So you have these three pairs of spirits all connected to the spirit of the Lord describing the fullness of God, the Holy Spirit. Now we just read in John 16 that the Holy Spirit will come to lead us to Jesus. In other words, he is like a big spotlight whose main job on earth is to to shine his light on Christ so that we can see him more clearly. And in the same way, the golden lampstand was placed in that living room of, of God to shine his light onto the table where the priests would go to see God and where we can go now as we go to our table every Sunday to see Jesus more clearly. So I'd like, to I'd like to talk about the table now for a moment. The table that is only visible in the light of the golden lampstand. This is the first time that the word table actually appears in the Bible, interestingly. The very first time the word table is in Scripture is in that moment when God says, I want a table in my holy place. It was also covered with pure gold, overlaid with pure gold, and there, there were 12 loaves of bread on there in two stacks of six loaves each. And next to it was a cup filled with wine. It's incredible how God already put the table that we come to to worship the Lord, the table where Jesus broke bread and gave wine, how that table already existed prophetically inside the tent thousands of years prior to Jesus. And the bread had a very specific name in the Old Testament. The bread that the priests were supposed to put on the table was called the showbread. 
Why was it called the showbread? Because God had promised that when priests would come and take that bread and eat it, that God would show up. He had promised his very presence mystically in the midst of this bread. That's why they called it the showbread. And this is fascinating because in the New Testament, Jesus himself refers to himself as the bread that came down from heaven, as the bread of life, at least seven times in one chapter in the Gospels alone. In John chapter 6, you can find at least seven references to Jesus calling himself either the bread of life or the bread that came down from heaven, basically trying to tell his audience, look, the bread that you've been seeing and eating from in the tabernacle for many, 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 many years, that's me. It's all about me. I'm the bread. I'm the one that if you feed on me, you will have life. If you feed on me, if you come to me, God literally, God literally shows up to you. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. Now we're about to celebrate Christmas. And I know that most of you know that Jesus was born where? In Bethlehem. What does Bethlehem mean? Anyone knows? House of Bread. It's not interesting. Jesus was born in the house of bread because he is the, the human manifestation of that table. And not just that, but the whole, the whole tent of meeting. He expressed through his life. This is one of the reasons why we decided to call our church plant the table. Because we come to the table every time we meet. It is our central act of worship because Jesus called himself the bread of life. And we remember that every time we come together. It's not about how amazing the musicians are or the preachers or whatever. It is all about how amazing this Jesus is who came to embody all of this up there that we often have no clue about. I don't know if you've ever studied the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, if you've ever looked really closely at that. There is so much amazing prophetic beauty about Jesus in, in the way that God designed it. So what does this table mean to us except for the fact that we can go to it every Sunday? It is God's promise that he wants us to fellowship with him at all times. Remember, the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, was in the desert. I mean, the, I don't know if you've ever lived in the desert, literally, probably not. It's not a very nice place to live. It's hot. It's dirty. There are all kinds of weird animals, poisonous snakes, scorpions, I mean, can you imagine letting your kids out in the morning out of your tent say, hey, go play, play soccer, but watch out for those scorpions and snakes. Don't step on them when you play. It's a scary place. Plus, there were enemies living in the mountains or wherever and just kind of ready to attack Israel maybe, right? I mean, you're just in a dangerous place. And God, in the midst of it, has people make this and carry it around and set tent and invite them into his presence. And I couldn't help but be reminded of one of the most popular psalms ever written, Psalm 23. 
where David says, the Lord is my shepherd, and so on. And he says in verse 4, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And so no matter where you are at, maybe you face a desert at the moment, maybe you have some snakes and scorpions in your life that come after you, whatever or whoever they may be, maybe some sickness, maybe some people, maybe whatever it is, God is promising you the showbread. He's promising you to show up in the midst of all of this. Maybe he's not changing the desert into an oasis instantly, but he is coming with his presence, inviting you to his table, offering you the bread of life today. And what's wonderful is that if we continue the story of Jesus, he did not just come to be the bread, he came to break the bread. He broke his body so that our sinfulness could be washed away and so that we could be made holy so that we can go west back into the very presence of God and come to the throne of grace by faith through his blood. He has made provision so that water and oil are no longer separated, but we can be united with God in the Holy Spirit now. What a powerful promise. In other words, he is now calling you and me to be the tabernacles of God here on earth. He wants you and me to live by the light of the golden lampstand, of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that sevenfold spirit that he poured out at Pentecost. He wants to pour that spirit into your heart and he wants to create that golden lampstand inside of your heart so that you no longer live life according to what everybody else says or what they say or he or she says, but according to what God says. And he wants to build a table in your heart so that you can fellowship with him and commune with him and feast on him in your hearts by faith, which is what we say every Sunday when we come to the table. Feast on the Lord in your hearts by faith. And so the reality on the inside, we, we express every Sunday by coming to the table on the outside. But it, it both needs to work together. We can't just come here to the table once a week and think everything is fine this is important, but what is equally important is that you have a table in your own heart where you encounter the Lord and where you feast on him and the bread of life that he's offering you. Because you and I, we are now called to be those tabernacles. We are the body of Christ. And we're called to carry the presence of the Lord around with us wherever we go. So I want to finish just by asking you where you are personally at. Have you asked the Father to pour His Holy Spirit into you and to become the lampstand in your life? And have you come to the table and taken that bread of salvation, of restoration? Again, Psalm 27, verse 1. We, we read it out earlier. You can, look, you can look it up again. David says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my lampstand, and he prepares a table for me to be saved. This is what the Lord has done for you and me. And where, where are you at? If you open the heart, your own heart, are there still any artifacts and furniture pieces in there that are carried in, imported from the world? Or are you allowing God to just clear house and move in and transform you into the likeness of his son? 
And I know we're all work in process. None of us is perfect. But today I want to encourage you, keep, keep going with him. Keep moving west. Keep coming to the Lord, inviting him to cleanse you, to search you, and to transform you into the likeness of the ultimate tabernacle, which is Jesus Christ. Come and join the tabernacle club. And I can't wait to go to the table this morning, maybe with a renewed, refreshed understanding of what this table represents for you and for me. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, would you come and shine your light into our hearts? Would you convict us of sin and idols that we set up so easily? Would you just cast them out this morning? And would you move in with your presence, with your anointing? Would you cover the walls of our hearts with gold so we would reflect your glory? And would you help us come to the table to see Jesus, to see the provision the Father has made through his sacrifice on the cross? Help us this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen.